Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to all of you joining us online today. Also, glad you're joining us for this service. Uh, Today's a special day in the church calendar. It's Pentecost Sunday. And I think as a believer, sometimes we really value Easter and we value Christmas, but we also probably should throw in there Pentecost Sunday. It's really a really important day in the history of the church because this is a day that we remember the Holy Spirit came upon the early believers, anointing them with power from on high, and they... Church was literally born that day, and the movement of God began, and the world has never been the same since. And now, uh, since that happened, we're all part of this grand scheme of God to be missionaries to all the world, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ uh, to the ends of the earth. So I want to begin with just a prayer acknowledging the day, and then we'll dive into the message. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord God, we rejoiced uh, in the memory uh, of what today affords us. Uh, This is Pentecost Sunday, Lord. We thank you, Jesus that you did not leave us as orphans, that you sent the person of the Holy Spirit to live right inside each one of us who receive you, Jesus, um, uh, by grace through faith, um, Lord. We, we, just, we are so grateful for this empowerment, Lord, that not only was for the early believers, but it's been for all believers ever since that time. So Holy Spirit, come do your work today among your people, I pray. Uh, just anoint our minds to hear your word uh, quicken our hearts to, to be on fire for you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, just, I just thank you so much, God, for the person of the Holy Spirit who lives right inside of us, that brings you right into our very being. Glory be to your name, Jesus. Amen. This is a perfect day for uh, what I'm going to discuss. God has called his people, basically, to be uh, missionaries for him. And not only has he called us to do that, he's anointed us to accomplish that very kind of thing. And we're to take the good news of Jesus into all the world, locally, regionally, and globally. Last week, Pastor Aaron did a really good job uh, of talking about what that means locally. If you did not hear that message you need to go back and listen to it because it's really foundational to what I'm going to share with you today and I don't have time to to go over it. But a healthy local church will have a holistic approach to ministry. It will minister locally, regionally, and globally. That's a healthy church. And we, I think, are a healthy church and I thank God for that. Um, And so um, we're going to talk about what it means to minister regionally and globally for a few moments uh, today. Um, But uh, before I get into that, I want to share with you the big thought uh, for the message, and it's this, the people of God, those who are born again in Jesus Christ, are called to kingdom generosity. We're called to invest generously in the things of God. This is not only a rule of thumb in the Bible, but it's also something I think that the Holy Spirit quickens us to do. So here's a critical link. Generously invest in the kingdom of God. Generously invest in the kingdom of God. Um, Sometimes I hear that God's people are to be generous, and that's true. We're to be generous, you know, um, with others. But our generosity should be very directed. It should be a generosity that's first and foremost interested and focused on investment in the kingdom of God and what God is up to. Um, and God richly blesses those then who have this kind of generosity percolating in their souls, who freely give of themselves and the resources to the work that God is, is doing. So I want to talk to you about this concept a little bit by using a, a, an Old Testament book, the Old Testament book of Ruth. Um, 
I find its location really fascinating, by the way. Um, I don't know if you pick up on these nuances. I tend to pick up on these little nuances, and I find them fascinating. But if you read the Old Testament, it begins with the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. And they're long books. I don't know if you ever read those books. There's not a short one of them. So if you're going to read one of those books, you're going to, it's going to take you a little while. And they're very descriptive of God's interaction with, with, with uh, you know, uh, humankind. And then you get to the book of Joshua, and that's this great book of, of, of ancient Israel taking and going into the promised land. It's all this foreshadowing of what would happen in Jesus Christ. And, and then after that, you get into the book of Judges, and you see what leadership looks like in God's kingdom. And then it's getting a long book. These are like seven really long books. And then you get to the book of Ruth. It's four chapters. It reads super fast. It's all about relationship. And one of the things I've noticed about it as I've been reading through it several times recently is that it's a book that really talks about investing generously in the things of God in a relational kind of way. It's just so short and succinct. It's like an oddity when you're reading it. It's like this little teeny relational book stuck in the middle of all this deep theological, biblical, kind of law-giving kind of stuff. And, and I thought, God, why do you have this book there? And I think he wants us to understand the basic nature of investing generously in one another and in the things that God is doing and that God blesses that. So the book begins with Naomi and her husband and two sons leaving Israel. The book of Ruth begins that way because there's a famine in the land. And it's, they, they've heard that things are going good in Moab. So they head over to Moab uh, basically because they weren't doing very well. Well, they get to Moab and things get worse. Naomi's husband dies. That, that's a devastating thing to have happen to you. And then the book quickly goes on and says, 10 years down the road, her two sons who had now married Moabite women, they die. And at this point, Naomi's just devastated. Her life is broken in half, and she decides, I might as well go back to Israel now because I heard that there's food in the land again. I'm going to return back to Israel. She tells her two daughter-in-laws, I'm going back to Israel. I'm a broken, destitute woman. I have no more babies in my womb for you. And she says, you might as well just go back to your people. And one of them does. But Ruth says, no, I'm not going to do this. Now, I want you to hear this language of Ruth, but I want you to hear it in, in, in understanding of what it means to invest in the things of the kingdom, to have this kind of kingdom mindset of giving your time and your talents and your resources wholeheartedly to what God is up to. Ruth says, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to stay with you. Your people will be my people. Your home will be my home, basically. Your God will be my God. I'm telling you, that is kingdom generosity. That's investing in the things of God. Ruth said, I am going to go where you go, Naomi. I am going to be your people, and your God is going to be my God. And my whole life is going to be invested in this thing. Amen? And I thought, that's a huge message in the book of Ruth. Well, then they get to Israel, and these are two destitute women. They have no resources at all anymore. Uh, They've lost everything. And Naomi returns and she tells the people, I'm just destitute, I'm just lost, and call me, you know, destitute and lost, basically, is what she says. And, and, and then Ruth goes out to do what poor people do. She goes out to glean behind the harvesters so that they have something to eat. It was a custom in that time that if you're poor, you could follow along the harvesters and you could glean some of the crop so that you could have something to eat. So she goes and begins to glean and she ends up gleaning in the field of Boaz, who's a near kinsman to, to, to Naomi. 
And Boaz says, who is that woman to the harvesters? And they, they tell her that that's Ruth the Moabitess that's come with Naomi. And he's heard about her. And he goes to her and he says, stay here. You'll be safe in my fields. Now we see that he's seeing something in her that's kingdom attraction to him, that she's doing something here that's right. And he's willing to invest in that. And he says, you stay in my fields and, and, and you'll be safe here. And then he tells his harvesters, leave some for her. Throw some extra on the ground so she has plenty. And he goes to her and he says these words. I love these words. He says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he sees this alien, this Moabite woman. Now, you've got to understand, Boaz is this upright Jew, this, this, this you know, upstanding citizen. But he sees this Moabite woman, this foreigner, this alien, and he says, I see God at work in you, and I'm going to invest in that. And he says to her, I pray that you are richly rewarded under God whose wings you have decided to take shelter under. Isn't that cool? It's really a cool picture. Um, By the way, every time they have an exchange, he's always sending a bunch of wheat home with her. I mean, he's a very generous kind of guy with her. Um, But he realized what God was up to, and he's willing to invest in her. Um, And it it just, Ruth is such an illustrative story of how God works and how he rewards those who invest generously in the things that he's doing. And he works in all peoples. And we just went through the book of Ephesians, and I think Aaron did a really wonderful job last week of kind of wrapping it up and summarizing the application of the overall book. I want to go back to Ephesians again and read chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. Listen to what, what, what Paul tells us in Ephesians. It says this, He, Jesus, came, and he preached peace to you who were far away, to the foreigner, to the alien, to the one who's not part of God, to the Gentiles, and And he preached peace to those who were near, to the Jew, right? For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as his chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And I I don't have time to tell you the whole story of Ruth, but it's so illustrative of this scripture right here. Uh, 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 What God tends to talk about in the New Testament, he tends to illustrate for us in the Old Testament. And um, if you've never read the book of Ruth, I encourage you to go read it. It's four chapters long. It'll take you 15 minutes. But read it through the lens of generosity. See how generous Ruth was towards Naomi, her mother-in-law. See how generous Boaz was towards, towards Ruth and Naomi. And then see how God blessed them. Because these two end up getting married. Ruth and, and Boaz get married. And they have a baby. His name is Obed. And he's the father of Jesse, who's the father of King David, who's in the line of Jesus Christ. And we see that these two who are willing to invest generously in the things of God, into the kingdom of God, were blessed mightily. Amen? And I want you to get that linkage. I want you to understand that, that connection there, that those who will invest generously in God's kingdom are blessed, all right? In fact, I made it a point in your note-taking guide. Those who invest in the kingdom of God are indeed blessed. But here's what I found in my own life. Life unfolds into this beautiful mosaic, this kind of tapestry, this organization thing that you can never, ever put together yourself. Life unfolds into a beautiful mosaic of God's divine guidance, interruptions to supply, when you willingly invest into his kingdom. 
And when you willingly give your life to the Lord, not just some money, you give your time and your talent and you invest and you're, you're part of the kingdom work that he's about, then your life becomes this beautiful mosaic and you can look back over at, at what, as you get older. Like I look back and I look at, at the things that God has done and I go, I just marvel at this kind of mosaic, this tapestry that he's put together that I now call my life. And that's how our God works, amen? If we will invest in this work generously. And Ruth and Boaz are a classic example of that very thing. I, I, I love Pastor Aaron's big point last week. I, and I'm reinterpreting it and saying it my way, but he's basically, we are to live sent. We are to live as people who are called to serve. We're to participate in the game. We're not to endlessly train and train and train and never do anything, but we're called to engage and invest and be actively participating in what God would have us do. When I was called to come back to Brookings um, 11 years ago now, there, there are a couple of reasons I was willing to even explore that possibility. One was when I went to Williston, God clearly told me I'd be there 10 years. So when Rick Egerbrecht called me about this church being interested in me coming back here as their lead pastor, it was 10 years on the nose. Otherwise, I wouldn't even taken the call. But I thought, well, okay, God, you're up to something here. You know what the second reason was? This church is known and has been known as a sending church. Our college ministry is nothing but a gigantic sending ministry. We have most of those students for four years, and what do we do? We send them all out, right, Brendan? Now you look at, you have got to have a sending mentality. We have got to have a kingdom mentality here because we're building the kingdom. It's all over the place. We may not see the, the, the benefits of it all. We may not see it, but Jesus Christ does, amen. And I, I did not want to go to a church that was inward focused and all about themselves. I wanted to go to the church that was outward focused and was sending, sending, sending. I am one of those products myself. I was raised up in this church into the pastorate. Then I was sent to Williston. <laughs> I just happened to come back. I want us to be ascending church. I wouldn't go to a church that was so inward focused. It was no worldly good. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries locally. And I think we're called to have a heart for it regionally and globally. These all work hand in hand. I have an illustration for you that I think really gets at what I'm talking about here. Um, you guys are going to recognize this. It's down by the depot, right? Downtown. Um, any rate... Good normal vision looks like this. You see the, 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 the person in the front real well, and you see, the, you see the whole picture, right? This is good normal vision, right? Anybody have normal vision you see like that normally? Yeah, some of you do. You should praise God. You don't have to wear glasses. Amen? I have this problem over here. It's called myopia. I'm very nearsighted. So I see things near, but everything looks blurry. So I take my glasses off. You're just a bunch of beautiful blobs right now. I can't see one face. I can't see your eyes. I just see pink and black and kind of green over here. And I have myopia pretty bad. Um, and sometimes the church has a grand case of myopia. We're nearsighted. We think it's all about us. We're very consumeristic. You come to church to get fed and you think it's all about you. Consume, consume, consume. And you're very self-centered. And, and we do not want to be that church, amen? Because that's nearsighted. And it's unhealthy. And it's selfish. But then there's another problem that sometimes you can have, a vision problem. This is hyperopia. That's where you can see things far away, but you don't see things near. Anybody have farsightedness in here? I'm just curious. Anybody? Yeah. That's not nearly as common as nearsightedness. 
And you know that's true spiritually. Most of the time, spiritually, there's a myopia problem. But every now and then, there's a hyperopia problem. It's farsighted. And we think everything spiritual happens way over here. But nothing locally matters. Spiritual is way over here, far away, but never close at hand. And that's just as dysfunctional. See, spiritual health says we see near, regional, and far. Amen? We see the whole picture, and the whole picture is in view. And so, Pastor Aaron talked about local last week. I'm not going to talk about that today. Like I said, if you want to hear that message, please go listen to it. It's foundational to what I'm speaking on today. I'm going to jump right into our regional impact that I think we can have as a church. So here we go. Regionally, there are opportunities to expand the kingdom of God in neighboring states and towns. We are called to see beyond our local church and say, God, what are you up to? Where do you want us to go? Now, it doesn't take a genius to realize our, our world, our country needs Jesus like never before. It's quickly going away from being a Christian nation. And we need to be about working regionally and bringing the light of Christ to bear uh, on places that are kind of near to us. Uh, so what we've done is we've set a part of our staff to put emphasis uh, to this very area. It's called networking and multiplication. Um, so we want to keep an emphasis on it on purpose. Uh, we want to keep this opportunity in sight. So we've hired Pastor Ben Geetson to basically take this area over. He has a gift of evangelism. It fits him really well. If you're around Ben, he's connecting people all the time. It's just his heart. It's just the way he functions. It's supernatural. Um, I've been in some sort of leadership kind of role now for about 37 years as a person. And I know this one basic principle about leadership. If you want to get something done and you think it's important, then you have better staff for it. If you don't staff for it, you're saying, I don't think it's important. I don't think it'll ever happen anyway. And it's just talk. So if we really want to be a church that affects our area regionally, we need to staff for it. And we've done that kind of thing to bring focus on it all the time. Um, and so I've been asked this question. When I first came here as a pastor back 11 years ago, we were running, I don't know, 800, 830, Bruce, you know, I don't know. It's numbers, who cares? Anyway, right bef before the pandemic, we were probably running close to 2,000 a Sunday. Now I don't know what we're doing anymore. We're dispersed, amen? Maybe that's a really good thing. A lot of people are joining us online and all that, so it's really hard to keep track. A question I've been asked frequently is, how has missions grown with our growth as a church? Um, we never had this area called regional impact before. This is all brand new. And I, I want to just say this to that question, if anybody has that question. We basically have doubled our missionary effort. Because now we're really on purpose trying to do something locally and, 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 and then regionally. Okay? I need to quit using the word locally because I really mean regionally. We want to do some work regionally that are, are impactful. So we've partnered with a couple of churches for some revitalization pro, uh, processes. That's been our starting point. One has been Watertown and one has been Aberdeen. And Watertown is doing really quite well. They have a great story going on. They got a college ministry going on there and some things. And so rather than me talk about it, I asked Pastor Jeff, who's the campus pastor there. And he, by the way, is on our staff to, to give us a short uh, you know, summary of what's happening at Watertown, so we're going to watch that right now. Hi, I'm Jeff Ruggles, pastor of the Grace Point Church in Watertown. As many of you know, Watertown has been a network church for Grace Point for three years. 
When we started in Watertown three years ago, the church was not doing well. There were an older congregation struggling to find ways to reach into the community and to reach people far from God. Over the last three years, we have seen the average age of the church drop significantly and we now have several families attending. And as a result, we have started to see Sunday morning kids ministry grow in numbers. We have also started an oasis at LATC and have averaged 25 students each week over the course of the last year. And we are excited to have Jacob Ingen on board this year to continue seeing that impact grow. The impact Grace Point has had in Watertown has been formative. When Grace Point hired me, they did not just put me in Watertown to do the work by myself. They made me a member of the staff, including me in the weekly development and coordinator meetings. Pastor Aaron has been valuable in helping create vision and new opportunities to reach Watertown. And the financial support that has come from Grace Point has been significant. With your support, we have been able to update our worship center and the technology that's there, as well as reach into the community and do several events. So thank you for all that you do to not just support missions overseas, but to support the work that God is doing here in Watertown. our service live every Sunday. In the last few months, Jeff's been preaching and kind of taking that ministry over. And our goal with these partnerships is to lead them back to this place of health, work with them on that, and to, uh, you know, create an autonomous expression of, of faith in that community. But yet their staff person, Jeff, will always be on our staff and part of our, our church network. The same thing is going on with Aberdeen. We have a great core group up there and they have funds. All they need is a pastor. And if we've, it's been a big challenge trying to find a pastor to go to Aberdeen. You know, you know, if it was Spearfish or Rapid City, we'd get about 20 ca- you know, candidates. But when it's Aberdeen, it's a little tougher. It's kind of like uh, going to Williston or something like that kind of thing, you know. People aren't just lining up to go to these places that are, are not so, uh, quote, sexy or whatever you want to say. Um, I don't know how else to say that. But... That was probably not the way to say that. Plus, this is, this is online. I, well, they might, everybody might as well hear me say that kind of thing. Um, but we think we have a good candidate. Still, he's still a candidate, right? Amen. Okay, good. So uh, we have one that we think could work, um, and we've been praying like crazy uh, for, for that person. And, and what we're seeing there is oftentimes there's opportunities, but we don't have a leader. We don't have a person who, who feels that call and, and, and is equipped to go uh, to such a place like Aberdeen or whatever. And so we, we're really trying to amp up our residency program. We've got a couple of them that are going to share here later in the service. And what we're trying to do is say, we're going to have this residency program where we're training up future leaders to send them to places and, and equip them. We want to invest that way as a church uh, of our, our time and talents into people and our DNA and, and, and send them to places that look a lot like Brookings. We have a lot of places around this area in Minnesota. I, I said this first hour, say it again, Minnesota desperately needs Jesus. Amen. You guys don't know what to say when I say things like that, do you? I'm from Minnesota. I can say that. So, um, you know, we, we, we want to impact these places. But think about the areas around us that, that we could impact. There are places that look just like us, a town like us, with a university or college. They're all over the, this area in Minnesota, North Dakota, and, and South Dakota. And we just want to start targeting these places on purpose. We started with these revitalization projects in Watertown and Aberdeen. But our vision is to go much bigger. And the residency program is going to be part of that uh, way of getting there. And that's also under our multiplication and network kind of organization piece of our, of our staffing. Um, I love this, by the way, because as a church, 
we're investing in others. And we're supposed to invest in others individually, locally, but we're supposed to invest in others corporately. We're supposed to be apostolic. A healthy church is, is apostolic. It's a church planting other churches. Amen? And we want to get into this kingdom work. And I'm going to tell you this, Grace, but I'm going to say this from my heart. When we invest like this, I really feel God's going to bless us in ways that we don't even realize right now. That it's going to be good for our soul and it's going to be good for the growth of the kingdom. I think we're here for such a time as this, as a church. And I thank God that we've been historically ascending church. Let's move now to global. There are opportunities to impact the kingdom growth on a global level. I just talked to Pastor Dave about this here uh, uh, last week, about our impact globally. Uh, and he said that we're the ninth largest giving church globally in our denomination, which that's kind of cool. We're in the top 10. Um, and sometimes this impact of giving globally is a long-term kind of impact. And recently, I, I got a hold of a letter that, from David Horn, director of a partner engagement uh, of, for Global Partners for the Wesleyan Church, and he wrote this. I just want to read this to you. He said, Dear Grace Point Church, you could tell he doesn't know us very well because he has Grace Point in two separate words. Anyway, anyway, um, just a quick note to say how grateful we are for all the ways your church has been so generous to the ministry of Global Partners. Thank you. I was just looking over the list of missionaries your church has invested in over the years. Wow, you are having an impact all around the world. Praise the Lord. I know most of all the missionaries you are supporting personally and have had the opportunity to visit with many of them over the years. I'm so proud of the work that they're doing. They're sharing the good news as an extension of your ministry. I also noticed that you have given 26 years consecutively, totaling $1,400,000. Yes, you read that right. $1.4 million. That's amazing. We're so grateful for your partnership. God is using you to reach the unreached around the world. Today, I'm so thankful for the generosity of God's people. God is using you to reach your community locally and also to impact unreached areas of the world. I'm celebrating our partnership uh, today. Quite a, quite a letter, amen? Set some perspective there. Um, we are dedicated as a church to impacting the world globally for the cause of Christ. We can't be all things to all people, but we can be something significant to some people. Amen? And that's kind of our approach now with global missions. We're kind of zooming in on some things that we want to intentionally form relationships with uh, other ministries and do some things very much on, on purpose. We can't do a whole bunch of things, but we want to do some things very, very well. So if you're ex interested in seeing exactly who we support globally, I would encourage you at some point to go to the second level here to the balcony. Just go out the outside wall of the balcony has our mission board on it and shows all the people that we support uh, globally through our mission effort. But we have a couple of missionary organizations represented here today. So if you guys would come up. And I thought rather than talking about this, we just have some people who are actually doing the work talk about it. Amen? So we have uh, Andrew and Jenna and Jacob joining us here. So I'm going to start with Andrew. He's from Aswan Ministry. I'm going to ask them some questions. They're going to answer me and, and fill you in on what's going on globally. So Andrew, here's the first question. Who exactly are you and what is Aswan Ministries? It's not on. There it is. There we go. Good morning, everybody. I'm Andrew Devaney. I'm with Aswan Ministries. So I'm originally from Sioux Falls. Uh, went to Dakota Wesleyan University. And towards the end of my time at Dakota Wesleyan, had the opportunity to live two summers over in East Africa. 
and immerse myself in the life and culture in a real community over there. So lived in a mud house, uh, used a hole in the ground called a pit latrine for my toilet, uh, showered with a bucket, fetched water with mothers. And, and one of the things that I went to do was actually not to accomplish anything, but to go and learn and listen and build relationships and see how God was already at work. And I met some of the most incredible people over those two summers. Uh, people who became my heroes, and I wanted to create something that empowered them to be the change agents in their own community. So I started this organization back uh, in 2016 called As One Ministries. It uh, works in Uganda. So we work now, today, in four different communities in Uganda, all across from eastern, northern, and western Uganda. And um, the conviction that arose out of my time there wasn't necessarily the extreme poverty itself, but was the way, uh, as the body of Christ, as Christians, uh, as outsiders, we, we've gone in and have, uh, you know, with great intentions, uh, created these systems and cycles uh, of what now people call dependency or toxic charity. So through giving aid or handouts or charity, I saw the ways in which that ultimately kept people trapped trapped in these cycles of poverty that disempowered them. And what I felt like was marred their image of God, harmed the image of God that was within them to create, to cultivate the potential, the dignity that is within everybody. And so these beautiful people felt like it trapped them in that. And so part of what we do as an organization is as we work in these communities, our goal is, you can go to the next slide, is to, is to build a school, a clinic, two small businesses and a farm through a Christ-centered model that 100% is led, owned, and operated by local Ugandans. So now, today, you can go to the next slide. Uh, you know, we, we have a team of 80 Ugandans uh, running this ministry in, in Uganda. And actually, our goal is that 100% of what it takes to run the organization can be generated locally, not dependent on any outside resources. We use our funds to an invest in this work, and that it's run and operated by the people in country. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so um, what are we partnering with you on specifically, and yeah. how do you hope this helps the cause of Christ? Yeah, so I'll answer the latter and then the former, but for, from the cause of Christ standpoint, you know, I felt like so much of my framework for how I understood Christianity was this evacuation, you know, where we could go, how we could get to heaven, how we could stamp our ticket. And I remember, you know, the uh, Lord's Prayer right in the heart of it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so really the call of faith is that we would bring everything under the Lordship of Christ, our lives in every aspect of creation. And so we want to see in these little communities that we're working in that people's individual lives are transformed and their communities are transformed. So Grace Point has helped partner with uh, particularly building out this one community called Runya Bihuka. And, you know, these are students that never up, up until the point of us working there had a high school in their community. No high school at ever. So now fast forward today, just three years later since the beginning of it, uh, you know, that, that community uh, now has a school. And for the first time ever, the government brought electricity, they brought piped water, and kids are encountering Christ and getting an education. It's just unbelievable. That's cool. Sorry, I yeah. was getting caught no, up in this. You're good. You're I good. wasn't paying attention first yeah, yeah, hour because yeah. I was busy focusing on the questions. But um, So what connection do you have with us 
yeah, and so, how do we connect with yeah, you? This, this school uh, you know, is actually the home, home community of an individual who's a part of this church. He's in Uganda right now. His name's Emmanuel Bayumakama. His family, his wife Agatha, they come to church here. And this is actually the village that he grew up in. So 2018, me and him were standing there, and that was the beginning of the project. 33 kids, half building, and today there's over 300 students in a fully built-out campus. That's so cool. I'm sorry. I'm just rejoicing in that. All right, how can we pray for this ministry and partner with it? Yeah, well, we got seven folks from your congregation going over to Uganda with us this summer. So praying praying for them. Uh, You know, right now we're actually building two new schools. And we're launching a health clinic here in October. So we've got big dreams, uh, dreams to see that these communities transform and we can continue to replicate that. And we can see the kingdom of God present, yeah. present here on earth. So, yeah. uh, you know, your, your prayers, your participation, your travel, your giving to Grace Point has uh, truly transformed lives and communities in yeah. Uganda. So thank you. So thank this you. is just your dream you had years ago as a yeah. young man. None, of, none this, of it was there uh, five just, years ago. Do you hear that? Okay, I just, I didn't really hear it first hour. So, uh, this is amazing, Andrew. Thank you. Anyway, we're, don't, don't leave the platform. We're going to pray for you. Okay. okay. Thank you guys you. come up forward. Thanks, everyone. I think you all know who, the, yeah, you can clap for him. So, you, you know these two probably pretty well if you've been around Grace Point for a while, but who are you? What's going on in your lives? Yeah, so my name is Jenna Ingen. This is my husband, Jacob. And we actually grew up here at Grace Point our whole lives. Um, I came here the first time when I was two days old. So I literally grew up in church here. um, And it's been so great to be a part of this community. We recently graduated from Indiana Wesleyan, so we left for four years. And we're back now doing residencies here at Grace Point. Praise God. Okay. Um, What is God calling you guys to? Yeah, well, our calling journey is a very long story. We'd love to connect with all of you and tell you that story. But simply put, we are called to go overseas to the Fotozo region, which is a very unreached Muslim population over in Central Asia, and just start small groups and spread the gospel. Yeah, um, and so this area in Fotozo has about 80 million people. And out of those 80 million people... 99.9% of them are Muslim, and that 0.01% is all other religions, which leaves a less than 1% chance that somebody would encounter a Christian in their entire lives, which is so crazy because in our North American context and in Brookings, South Dakota, there are one to two to three churches on every street corner. And 31, I told 31, you that. Yep, 31. 31 churches in, in Brookings, Brookings. But that's just not the, the reality for people in Photozo. And so the Lord has called us to go and to participate in the work that he is doing there. Praise God. So you two are residents this year for us. Uh, what do you hope happens this next year? Yeah, well, I'm working with multiplication and outreach over this next year. I'll be working in Watertown a lot with Jeff, as he said, with the college ministry. And over the last three years, I've been getting my degree in ministry. And so I've got a lot of head knowledge about what ministry should look like and book smarts, but I don't have a lot of practical experience in it. So over this next year, I'm really looking forward to serving the community alongside all of you and gaining practical experience in how to minister to real people so I can take those skills overseas and just really be effective in spreading the gospel to those in Photozo. Yeah, and for me, I'm doing my residency in part with outreach, but mostly with 0.45. And I'm really excited because in a Muslim context, 
I will never have the opportunity to minister to men, but my primary mission field will be with women and children. And so I'm really excited to have the experience to minister to your fourth and fifth graders and just to get that experience of what it looks like to minister to families and then to be able to contextualize that into the, the culture in the region of Fotozo. Yeah, that's so cool. All right, how can we pray for you and partner with you guys? Yeah, so the main way that we love your partnership is through prayer and joining our prayer team and receiving our monthly newsletter. Right now, we have a prayer team of over 200 people that are praying for Photozo, that the people will be reached with the gospel and be, mm-hmm. that God will move amongst his people. And we'd love for all of you to join that team. We'll be out in the foyer after the service, and we'd love to connect with you, get your email, put you on our list so you can receive our monthly newsletter update with prayer updates and just ways to be involved in the ministry. Praise God. Yeah, and then the other way that you can partner through this to, with this ministry is through financial partnership. In order to go to Photozo and bring the gospel to the people who are living there, it takes a team of financial partners who are willing to do the ministry together. And we are looking for people to join our team on a monthly or an annual basis or through a special one-time gift to make sure that this is a ministry that is sustainable for many years to come and so that we can see the fruit of the ministry that the Lord is doing there. Praise God. Okay, good. Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to pray for these guys. And you give these guys some... Uh, yeah. Let's up. Would you, would you join me as we just pray for these ministries? Lord, these are just amazing stories. Both of them are amazing stories. Um, I just uh, thank you for the Aswan ministry. As it just really impacted me here the second hour of what that, where that started and how much it's accelerated in just a few short years pray for you to just continue to anoint Andrew and gang and just continue to do that good work there, Lord, that you've started. And I just pray for, um, you know, everything that's going on in that ministry and for our relationship with them, for the ones going over there this summer, that it would be impactful. And uh, for Emmanuel, who's there right now, God, thank you for all these ties that we have. And our, our hearts are going to that place uh, as well as our our resources, Lord, and that's really a good thing. And then, Lord, we look at uh, Jacob and Jenna, and they're, they're two of our own that you've called up, and they're sent from here. They're, they're a classic example of what I've been talking about this morning, Lord, that we're all sent. Um, Lord, whether we go overseas or whether we go locally, we're just sent. And I just pray as they have a heart for this people group, Lord, that's so Muslim-oriented that you would even now prepare divine appointments for them opportunities, Lord, that are beyond their capabilities. And Lord, do things in them that they don't even know how to articulate or pray for right now. And I just pray for openness and receptivity uh, in this ministry. And may this next year be a year of great preparation for them and great equipping of them, Lord, and and so that they can go and and thrive in the calling that you've placed on their life. We just love these guys, Lord, and pray for them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead. You go ahead and be seated, guys. So, um, if you want to give specifically uh, to ministries like Global uh, Partners or, or any of these missionaries in our church, the way you do that is you just make, whatever you make out, you just say missions, and it automatically goes to them. Everything that's designated missions goes into these kinds of efforts, okay? We used to do this thing called Faith Promise. We haven't done that for a couple years. It just seemed like it was more work than it was beneficial, and so right now we're just saying, if you have a heart for missions and God says you want to give something to missions, then all you got to do is designate that giving that way and it goes to the, that group, okay? Pretty clear, right? I get that question a lot. How do I give to these? Just write missions on it. It's going to go there. All right. So I want to talk about 
how to respond to the last two messages that we've heard from Aaron last week and from me today. One, here's the response we're hoping that you have. One is you're aware of what's going on. You're aware that we are a church that has the DNA built into it that we're, we're, we're sent once. Um, that Jesus calls you to be a sent one, and we want to just be a church that sends. Amen? That we want to invest this way. It, our resources, our time and talent and, and, and money. But we want to invest all that stuff in what king, what's happening in the kingdom. We want to be like Ruth and Boaz. We want to see what God is up to and invest in it. Uh, secondly, pray. We've talked about that. These, these guys need prayer partners. We need you to be a prayer partner here. We need you just to pray. I love how Ephesians chapter 6 basically ends, uh, how the book of Ephesians basically ends in, in verse 18, where Paul says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Just pray for one another. Pray for what's going on. Don't fret. Every time you start fretting about what's going on in this world, use that as a catalyst to pray. Turn that fear, turn that concern into something constructive and pray. It's good for your soul and it's good for the land. Amen? So pray. And thirdly, invest. Look for ways to invest. God's calling all his people. You invest on some level, in some way. When I use that word invest, I mean this. You use your time, you use your abilities and your talents, and you use your resources to further the kingdom of God. Invest, invest, invest. Whether that's locally, regionally, or globally, invest. Today, Pastor Serenity is in Watertown. She's going to preach there in a couple weeks. We're investing in that place. We're supporting Pastor Jeff. Uh, Pastor David's filled the pulpit over there multiple times, right? And we're constantly saying, we're not just saying you're part of us. We're investing in them. We want them to succeed as a church. And so we want to do that corporately. We want you to do that individually. And we want to do that, of course, in, 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 in the regional and, and global areas that God is blessing us with. Um, at any rate, I'm inviting you into living a life of sacrifice for Jesus. And I, you know what? When you get done... I pray that you can look back over your life someday and say, it's a beautiful mosaic of God's intervention, supply, divine interruptions kind of thing going on. And you can look at your life and say, it's the best life I could ever have lived. I'm, I'm calling you to that. I'm saying, think about investing your life that way. You will never, ever be sorry if you do that. And I want to encourage you now. I'm going to change the corner and then we've got to wrap up the service here. Uh, if you're a member of the church, make sure that you take some time uh, go to that QR code. If you, QR code. If you have a smartphone, just put the camera at it, and it'll take you right where you need to be. And look at who the board is. Affirm that. Look at the budget. Adopt that. And and you can see the other things there. If you just go to that form. If you like they, we said, you can use the great room resources too. If you want to use a computer in there or do a paper copy. But I want to tell you a couple things just so you get some crystal clarity on this. Our budget that we adopted for this year is 1% higher than what we actually took in last year, okay? Just so you know, we live in conservative country USA. Amen? And so we're, 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 we're trying to steward things really well here. And so uh, when you read the stuff over there, it'll say it's 4% higher than two years ago. But that's budget compared to budget compared to budget. What we actually brought in last year and what we actually budgeted for this year is only 1% different. So there's really not a whole lot uh, there that's uh, going on in that regard. Um, we give over 20% of what we take in away, whether it's to missions, um, to district assessment, uh, so we kind of, quote, pay our denomination. So people often ask me, do we give any of our money away? Yeah, 
we give about 20 to 25% actually goes right out the door again to these other things, okay? Just so you have that perspective. Also, I get this question a lot. We put that new building addition in uh, three years ago. 3.2 million approximately it cost us. We paid for most of it right up front. 1.7 million we paid right off the front. So we took out from ourselves through Wesleyan Investment Foundation a $1.5 million uh, loan for the rest. But we're paying that to our denomination, uh, not to some bank someplace, okay? We have paid off over half of that. We're, we now owe $750,000 three years later, okay? So in three years, we've gotten rid of $750,000. We got about $750,000 to go. That's good news, amen, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can clap. I'm happy about that, too. So, um, anyway, just want you to know those highlights. Uh, and I'm going to now turn it back over to Kyle and get off the uh, platform so you guys can get out of here.